0: We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theatre throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today we are going to be speaking with the creator of crude the climate change musical a comedy about an environmentalist daughter who outwits her oil tycoon dad you know let's just jump right in and welcome Maureen Condon to the show Maureen how you doing
1: I'm doing great how are you Jean-Paul I'm
0: fantastic thank you very much for coming on and uh telling us a little bit about your show today
1: well thank you for having me I'm delighted to be here
0: no problem now before we get into the the show itself I always like to get to know um, my guess, a little bit better. So I'd like a 30 second bio of Maureen. So who is Maureen in 30 <laughs> seconds?
1: Oh boy. Um, <laughs> went to school for journalism, became a newspaper reporter for the Patriot Ledger in Quincy, Mass. Did that for a decade. Uh, then I got into corporate PR and marketing and did that for, I won't tell you how many decades. <laughs> and, um, mostly to the point about CRUDE, the climate change musical. I worked for a weather company for five years. So I learned all about meteorology and the 100-year storms that we're having every year now. And um, that was quite a motivator for this. And also some things while I was a reporter were motivated for that. But four years ago, I decided um, I would abandon corporate life, at least temporarily, and dive into the theater world and do this musical CRUDE.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So were you always into musicals or, or theater growing up? Or is that something you discovered a little bit later? Uh, on?
1: Actually, um, when I was nine years old, my parents gave me voice lessons. And mm-hmm. I was singing on the radio, the local station. And what I remember is they had to put me on top of the yellow pages so I could reach the mic. <laughs> but um, I- I'll just tell you one quick aside. Sure. I got a thing in Facebook the other month, last month from a friend I hadn't seen since like grade school and what she said she remembered was me singing the red, red Robin on the radio. <laughs> we reconnected. It
0: was great. Very nice. <laughs> and to our younger listeners, the yellow pages is a book. That you use phone numbers in, I know. And the sa- weird thing is, that's going to be true. There's going to be a number of people who don't know what that is.
1: You're right, you're right. Now you've given away my age. I've you? given
0: away my age too. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's okay. When was the last time you got the yellow pages? You I don't know. The-
1: Probably you know, like 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, ago. Wow. Yeah.
0: Things have changed. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. So um, you you sang on the radio when you were younger, and, and you said you went in for journalism. Um, yes.
1: I um, Actually, when I graduated from college, I majored in English and taught school for one year and knew that wasn't um, something I was going to be good at because I was the same size as the kids, and the teachers all thought I was one of the kids. But anyway, <laughs> petite. Um, so I went to graduate school. When I applied, I applied to Columbia for drama graduate right. school. And in Missouri for journalism. And I needed a scholarship for Columbia. And they said to me, where's your portfolio? And I said, well, I have all these newspaper clips because I worked as editor of the college paper and editor of my high school paper. They said, well, you don't have any plays written yet. And I'm like, no. So uh, they didn't give me the scholarship. They would have admitted me. but And so I went to journalism school at the University of Missouri, where um, out-of-state students had tuition free. So I always figured that, that I would learn about the world through my career in journalism yeah. and then I would write about it in plays when I got older.
0: Wow. I wish they'd given me free. <laughs> I wish I had, <laughs> had tuition like that.
1: Wow. Roman so... Wood was costly, but other than that, the tuition was free for graduate students. So. Wow, that's fantastic.
0: So so what did you do once you once you got out of there? You you went straight into journalism, you said?
1: Yeah. I took a job at a 100,000 circulation daily newspaper just outside Boston. Mm -hmm. And I worked there for eight years, had a great time. I covered a lot of environmental stories and I kept pushing that angle. Um, That was the 70s. And, you know, people were just becoming aware of environmental issues. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my proudest stories was um, I was trying to get this company to talk to me and they were polluting the Neponset River. Mm -hmm. And I, they wouldn't answer my phone calls. So I got the photographer from the paper and me one night at six o'clock, we went out to the company to take pictures of them dumping stuff into the river. Wow. And um, of course, we were trespassing. So that wasn't exactly kosher. But uh, when their security guard walked up to me and said, What are you doing here? I said, well, I'm looking for your CEO. Is he here? Can I talk to him? And he escorted us off the property <laughs> to get our pictures. <laughs>
0: I just don't understand companies that do that, that sort of thing. Like what, who thinks I can understand is it, I guess it's cost savings.
1: It's money. Yeah. But, it, it, it just comes down to money and, and probably ignorance about the impacts that pollution has on yeah. people's health and on the future. I mean, right now we've got the fossil fuel companies that yeah. Are digging their heels in some are progressive and like BP and and mm-hmm. they're doing branching out to solar and wind but um you know we've got to get the banks to stop financing them too
0: yeah so. like I can understand them doing this in the 1870s when they didn't yeah. know as much but come on the 1970s you, we know we, we knew at that point right it's just right oh I don't understand Humans sometimes are the worst. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I think
1: that, um, and I I purposely made crude a comedy Mm -hmm. because I knew that people don't want to go to the theater to see a documentary or to hear doom and gloom or any of that stuff, but a comedy about the intricacies and corporate intrigue of what goes on in business and particularly what goes on in a family between a father and a daughter in a power struggle that could be fun.
0: Oh, for sure. If you if you hammer people over the head with something, you know, when it's serious, people lose interest. But if you can make them laugh and learn, it, it makes uh-huh. such a difference, right? Uh-huh. So let let's get right into crude. Then tell us tell us the main plot outside of what I already told them about crude, <laughs> the uh, climate change musical.
1: All right. Well, the protagonist is Cassidy. She's fresh from Hol- yeah, Harvard University. Gotta <laughs> say, pack the cow with my <laughs> Um, and uh, she's gonna get a job in her dad's company, and her dad is an oil man through and through, multi generational, and he's the head of Global Inc., which is publicly held. And uh, Cassidy, he appoints her head of PR for the company, totally. You know kind of oblivious and not worried about her convictions about the environment just figures that's my daughter i'm going to make her head of pr because that's a fluff job and that's what women do so so of course she's got a totally different agenda and she goes to him first and says you know dad it's a song face the water and she's trying to get him to see her vision for a green energy future and What's going to happen if the sea level rises and the glaciers melt and all that? And he just blows her off and says, yeah, you know, the, the Earth's climate yo-yo is every million years. No, nothing to do with crude or me or any of this. So she says, sure, dad. And then she goes behind his back and she gets the CFO, the chief financial officer, to buy some startup companies that are solar and green wind energies companies and um her plan is to make a big deal out of acquiring these companies and having press releases all over the country and all over the world and uh it turns out though that the cfo who is now her boyfriend uh is using these companies to launder money so he doesn't want her to hold her press conferences either so i don't want to give away too much of the plot but cassidy figures out a way to expose the CFO, keep her father out of jail and um, persuade him to go green. And he says he will, but he's not. Mm. So he, they are fencing throughout and finally um, she takes over the company and gets her way. But she honors her father by uh, saving his face and, and telling the world it was all his idea to make her CEO. So. I I did give away everything but it it, the fun of it is the ride yeah there's a lot of fun songs in it It,
0: exactly we know how 1776 and Hamilton ends so you know (laughs) we still want to go see the shows so it's okay (laughs) was there a particular article or something you were working on that was the impetus to to create this
1: well there were a couple of things when I was a newspaper reporter um I went out to cover very excited to cover a startup company that was a solar company. And when I got there and did the interview, they said, Oh yeah, we're being bought by, and I won't name the oil company, but they were bought by a large oil company and never heard of again. Uh So that was, you know, that was a little bit rattling around in my brain. Um, I did read the book, the smartest guys in the room about Enron Mm -hmm. and, um, Originally, the oil company was going to be called End Run, because everybody in the company was doing an end run around everybody else. Oh, wow. But too many people, I went to the New York Musical Festival and several people there and, and several people on the Cape told me that, um, you know, people wouldn't hear End Run, they'd hear Enron. And yeah. the plot didn't really follow what happened with Enron, it was it was different. And then there was a British playwright that came out with a, a play about a musical about Enron. Mm-hmm. And I guess that went over well in England, but not so well here. So I just didn't want to here in the US. So I just didn't want I decided, you know, we'll totally divorce that idea and do go, global
0: inc. Okay. So once you came up with the idea and you, you wanted to go full force with it, what did you have to learn? Was, was your journalistic skills uh, um, able to translate into the playwriting skills or did you have to learn something?
1: Well, initially, of course, I just dived right in because that's <laughs> what I do. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I can write a play. I can write stories. I, I actually did a for dummies book. So, and I just dived into that Mecca published and um, I've written for 30 magazines and I just thought, well, I can do this. So I wrote a draft um, and I wasn't sure, you know, what I would, how much I would go forward with it, but I got an interview with the local theater. In fact, the theater that eventually did it mm. in 2010. And at that point I had demos of a number of the songs and i'll want to tell you about the person who's done my demos because he's a genius his name is john mckenna but anyway um i went to nina shushla <clears throat> excuse me who is the artistic director for the cape cod theater company and presented her with the script and the the songs and she said i love your music your script needs a little work yeah. so <laughs> So I went to um, another Cape Theatre that was teaching classes Cod, the Cape Rep Theatre, which is in Brewster, Mass. Um, and I signed up for a playwriting course with um, one of their um, in-house playwrights, at Divine, and I learned a lot from him. I read a lot of books on playwriting. Um, the Cape Rep Theatre gave me a, a cold reading. And I never want to do another one of those again, only because <laughs> the actors are just looking at it cold and yeah. you know it's hard to be expressive. And at that time I had too many characters in the play. Mm-hmm. There was 15 of them and they were sitting around in a circle on the stage and we had an audience. And of course they didn't have name tags on so nobody knew who anybody. It was fun, it was fun. And um, again, they said needs a little more work but your songs are great. Um, I should tell you about the songs. I went to a ASCAP conference, I Create Music, in 2007. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to be on the bus from the airport with another person who was going to the conference. His name was John McKenna. And we got talking, and when we got to the theater, theater. it was held at the Kodak Theater in Los Angeles. And when we got there, we swapped CDs. And when I listened to his music, I said, I really like his style. It's, it's rock, um, 80s rock and soft rock and all kinds of rock. <laughs> and so we talked and I, I brought my first song out to his studio at the time he was in Colorado. And um, when I heard what he did with that song, I was like, yes, this is, this is the sound I want for my music. So I write all the lyrics and the music, the melody, mm-hmm. and he does the arrangements with input from me. So we we go back and forth. We didn't do every song in person. Some of them we've done by email and phone and yeah. swapping rough cuts, that kind of thing. But very cool. So that was two thousand and eight, and we had um, we spent the next five or six years doing the songs, getting the demos. I have 22 song demos and the most recent one, I just added a, a, a song called Climate Change Denier," And it's a fever dream that is sung by children to Leo, the CEO, when he's taking a power nap. And uh, I've got a music video for that. And I, I think I've put it on your site. I think that's the one that's up there.
0: I think so. I, I bought yeah. I can't I can't remember to be totally honest with you there's, there's like almost 5500 songs and wow and after a while get mixed in my head um so when so when was the first time you saw it on stage as a performance and how was that feeling for you
1: oh the feeling was incredible um the first time I saw it um, on stage was at a developmental reading at the New York Musical Festival and that was in 2016 And that went very well. I had, you know, some producers and directors attend, and I got some emails right afterwards saying, you know, this is good, and here's my recommendation for some changes. And um, then in 2018, I um, was invited to participate in the Chicago Musical Theater Festival, but it was going to be in February, and... I was concerned that it could get snowed out and it was going to be quite costly. So I talked to a bunch of people and they said, wait for the next opportunity. Um, now I wonder if I should have done it to be honest with you, but
0: whatever. You didn't predict Um, the pandemic hitting.
1: (laughs) No, Oh, I was so lucky. The Cape Cod theater company told me in 2018, um, the fall of 2018 that they would do my show in 2019 in the fall or 2020 in the spring mm-hmm. and i've always been one to say burden the hand so i said i'll take 2019 in the fall yeah and thank goodness i did i mean it it wouldn't have happened otherwise so it was a wonderful production um we had 17 performances over a five-week period um there's uh, 10 principal not well is there's 10 speaking pots plus a chorus so we had 15 in it um one of the chorus members had one of the smaller pots and um we had great attendance i mean it was It was wonderful um and the first night i had 19 people from my high school class show up (laughs) (laughs) and i i had lots of friends and family come from all over i had friends and family come from california florida maine illinois wisconsin rhode island and of course massachusetts so Um, Yeah, everybody was very supportive and um, the other wonderful thing about it, and this comes from um, my background in marketing and um, not really sales, but I was learning sales. Mm -hmm. Um, I got five local solar companies to be paying sponsors of it. I called them up and actually one one of the solar companies, the head of the chairman of the board of the theater called him because he knew him for me. And um, instead of just asking them to be sponsors, I felt like I wanted to give them some some more benefit than just a mention in the program. Mm. So I proposed to the theater that we give them like full page or half page ads, depending on what they contributed in the the program insert for the show. So I got five solar companies and then I went to the Sierra Club and they contributed Mm. and 350.org, which is another environmental group and they contributed and um this this the massachusetts sierra club put the notice about the show in several of their newsletters and the 350.org put it in a pamphlet that they passed out at this trade show type summer event um that mm-hmm. was at the airport on the cape and then the um i think one of the biggest thrills for me though was um On a Sunday morning, I was coming home from brunch with my friends who had flown in to see the show from Chicago and Wisconsin, and I got a call from one of my friends on the Cape, and she said, have you seen the Sunday paper? I'm like, no. She said, they covered crude, above the fold, front page. Wow. I said, oh, you're kidding me. I don't believe you. (laughs) And she said, no, no, no. (laughs) So I pulled into the nearest gas station, and I went to the counter, and they had there was the story with crude above the fold It said new stage for um climate activists and um i bought five copies of it and i told the clerk i said this is my story <laughs> <laughs> so so anyways, very excited it was it jumped from the front page to the inside they had five or six pitches and they covered it because of the impact it had on the community um besides having the solar companies and the environmentalist groups um, the audubon society and the sierra club on the cape um, decided to have a cape and islands youth climate summit and they invited 50 all 15 towns on the cape to send representative students from high school and junior high whoever was most interested in the environment to a day-long event and at the day-long event we did a couple of scenes from crude and we had a talk back with the students and several of the solar companies that sponsored the show came and spoke about careers in solar energy to the kids and even the state rep came and and talked about the politics of it so they they mentioned that that was upcoming and they talked about the show and they interviewed a couple of the businessmen the solar people and i I had given the reporter when she called me um, the names of uh, and contact info for all the people that were sponsors. So,
0: um,
1: came out a great story.
0: Wow! Congratulations on that. That's that's fantastic that that you not only got that type of recognition, but you were able to make a difference. You know, w- by including in the the environmentalists and environmental people and the solar companies, and then branching out to the the kids, the future. It, it, it's it's. there's a trickle down theory trickle down um aspect that what you've done is going to affect the future and the people in the future and what they're doing so congratulations that's a fantastic thing that you've done
1: oh thank you well i'm hoping now to bring it to a theater any place in the world
0: which which
1: makes my job of sending out query emails um endless but um i am hoping i would love to do it in canada someplace and someplace else in New England and California and Florida and, and, you know, mostly I'm aiming for a lot of the states that are seeing the impacts of climate change right now. Um, But geez, that's almost everybody. We've got fires in California and flooding in the Midwest and more tornadoes than we ever wanted to see, Uh, you know.
0: Wow. Again, congratulations Um, what so what have you been doing with yourself since the pandemic have you been working on the show uh, to to get reach out to more people have you been doing any rewrites or anything like that. What's what's the show been doing over the last year and a bit.
1: Well, mostly I've been trying to do networking I've taken several courses on producing. Um, I've taken a course with theater resources unlimited in New York, which has been fantastic. Um, The teachers are. um, just great, Aaron Craig, Jane Dubin, Jen Isaacson, Randy, um, oh my god his name is escaping me at the moment, but anyway there was four teachers over two semesters and we're just finishing up with those and Theater Resources Unlimited is run by Bob Ost and every Friday he has an open meeting and he's brought in some some speaker from the theater world to talk about the process, the networking. And from what I'm hearing from everybody, it's all about networking and trying to get to the producers and the directors that can make things happen. So that's one group I joined. I've also joined the League of Professional Theater Women, which is based in New York and Connecticut. I'm in the Connecticut chapter because that's a little closer. And we do all our meetings on Zoom. Uh, and the theater resources all on Zoom as well. Um, I also joined something called Create Theater, which is a smaller group run by Kate Camerata out of New York. She was the dramaturg for my show at the New York Musical Festival. So I've kept in touch with her. And um, I'm in ASCAP, of course, and I just recently joined another um, playwrights group with Eventide Theater Company. Um, that's local to the Cape, so there was a few people in it that I knew. So, I've made some minor updates to the show. I've added a song and a scene, um, and um, but mostly I'm just trying to reach out and do pitch emails and um, develop a good pitch for the show. Right. I will say this: one part of my pitch is that it made a profit for the Cape Cod Theater Company, um, and it brought in more revenue, more profit, not more revenue, but more profit than Pippin or Freaky Friday. Wow. And I think that's a pretty good selling point. So
0: that's something <laughs> a producer wants to hear. <laughs> like something like that. That's a good way to lead off. <laughs> no matter how environmentally friendly everything is, you tell a producer it made money, you've, got, you've piqued their interests. So that's, that's fantastic, Maureen. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today and introducing myself and the world to, to your musical. Well,
1: oh, thank you. I really appreciate being here and um, I can't thank you enough for that.
0: No problem. Now, before we go, we go I always ask three questions of my guests because we want to get to know you guys a little bit better, a little sure. bit more. So I'm going to ask the three questions. There's no right or wrong answer, though the third answer, we will judge you on your answer. <laughs> okay. So first question. Uh, what creator or team within musical theater has a, had a great influence on you? Now, this could be a composer, a lyricist, director, producer, uh, actor, stage manager, even it could be somebody famous or not famous like a teacher. Is there anybody who, who's been a good influence on you in uh, your writing?
1: Well, my favorite musical is Jesus Christ Superstar. And um, so I guess I'd have to say Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, it's just, I love his music. Mm-hmm. And, um, you yep. know.
0: Can't, can't go wrong with uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> it's, it's a great show. Great, I can listen to that show over and over again. So that is the correct answer. <laughs> so, one <for> one. <laughs> question number two Which renewable resource do you think has the best option for the future? You know, when, when you when you're doing all your 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 journalism and your research for food, yeah. what, what do you think? You no know, solar or wind or is there something else? What do you think?
1: I think solar. Um, and the reason why is because um wind wind is great also, mm-hmm. but I mean, and they're putting the first wind um, farms out in the ocean, at least in you know, New England, and I'm thrilled with that. But I think solar, um, because you can get it right down to the house level. Um, And um, as living in New England, where we get power outages all the time in the winter and sometimes have to go live with our friends for a couple of days on the mainland. (laughs) Um, You know, I would love to have solar on my house. Um, Right now I've got to do some renovations before that can happen. But I think that, that solar is probably the best bet and once they get battery technology perfected which of course tesla and a lot of people are working on um that'll be something that everybody will have their battery in their backyard someplace and a solar facility on their roof or even in their backyard i've seen one solar uh thing that opens up like a sunflower and it actually looks like an incredible um garden ornament you know (laughs) Um, And so I I think solar but wind is also a big, a big contributor and vineyard wind is the company that's been um, trying very hard to get permits and everything off the coast of Massachusetts and Rhode Island and they're with the Biden administration they're getting starting to get the green light so that's a good thing
0: both wind and solar are the correct answers and anything else that we can do to help the environment so correct answer number two for the question so question number three and the one we might judge you on food in the theater or cell phones in the theater which is worse
1: oh gee Um, well as long as the cell phones are shut off yeah i'm okay with that um and as long as they're not uh you know, flashing lights on the stage. I'm even okay with people ah. taking pictures on the stage. And, you know, I'm always hungry. So <laughs> I don't mind food either. I, I, you know, I I would probably be a lousy theater manager because I'm very um, permissive, I guess. Yeah. But I, I do hope all the theaters will be looking into, and it's expensive, is better HVAC systems. Yeah. I used to For a company that sold Air filters, but yeah. um, we need that. I think with to make people comfortable going back to the theater after this pandemic.
0: Yeah, that it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting in these next six months to a year. What what's gonna be happening with
1: right? People. What do you think will happen? I mean,
0: <sighs> well, you you guys down there are ahead of us up here in Canada. We we're we're I just got my first shot yesterday, <laughs> so we're we're way behind.
1: Oh, um, well, I congrats. don't. I'm glad you got it though and you're feeling okay
0: and it's not bothering you. tired I'll be honest it, it, it's it wiped me out a little bit I think just yeah but that's it my arm hurts but that's neither here nor there um, but uh, uh yeah I don't know if the theaters up here are going to even open until 2022 I I just don't know um, yeah but I guess we'll learn from because you down the states and England and a bunch of other countries are are slowly opening so We'll see, but who knows? Honestly, I have no idea.
1: The three, um, four four companies on the state, on on Massachusetts, on the Cape, are opening with summer theaters this summer. The Cape Cod Theater Company, where my show was done, um, is putting their outdoor stage in the parking lot and coming up with all kinds of protocols about spacing the seats and everything outdoors. And um, the Provincetown Theater, And the Wellfleet Theater, uh, Wellfleet Harbor Actors Theater, and the Cape Rep Theater in Brewster are all doing outdoor setups.
0: So, I think we have to start that way: is is get it out there where we can spread out, build the theater back up, and then get back inside. So,
1: plus for summer, outdoor theater is
0: exactly (laughs) enjoy as much outdoor as we can because when winter hits, ugh it's gonna be terrible
1: we must have a lot of snow up there for the winter right
0: i'm in toronto doesn't have that much because we're on the lake so buffalo gets hit like crazy across the lake and I'm glad, i guess we just push it to them um but but i was up in ottawa which is about five hours north and we got we get killed up there it gets wow. down to like uh, I had it down to minus 40 Celsius, which I think is minus 40 Fahrenheit as well. At that minus point, it, it's the same on the oh. scale. Yeah. I, I did not enjoy that week, <laughs> but
1: uh, well, that. Is, it, your face freeze. I mean,
0: it, the weird part is you get used to it. At, 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 it gets to a certain minus point where it, it doesn't matter how cold you get. It's just cold. Wow you just go out luckily it isn't always like that but there were points where it just got so cold it was ridiculous yeah i didn't go out i avoided it like anything um but back to the food and the cell phones correct yeah. answer <laughs> i would have accepted neither of them but i'm i'm happy with your answer so three correct answers uh to the questions congratulations maureen i have no prizes but uh maybe i'll i'll find a phone book and bring it to you a uh, yellow pages. Wow. as just a reminder of what it is
1: (laughs) the prize was getting to meet you and and having a wonderful conversation with you it's been such a pleasure and may i add one more thing mary miko who is the co-founder of the league of professional theater women because she's the one who introduced me to you
0: thank you so much maureen uh that was maureen condon uh the creator of crude the climate change musical here on be our guest tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life love and passion that is musical theater i am your host as always jean paul Yovanoff, and i will see you when i see you